0: Healthcare security has a lot to teach executive security about the importance of resilience. Welcome to The Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters. The industry-leading magazine for all security professionals who
1: want to stay ahead of the game.
0: What has healthcare security got to teach executive protection? This week, we're going to talk to Martin Green. He's basically the CSO of Baycrest Healthcare, a hospital in Canada. And he's, he's been a great friend of the industry. He's spoken at many events. And we're, we're going to look at, of course, you know, healthcare's role in these last 14 months, being open, all the things that they've learned especially in the access control world that they can now teach us. Elijah, why is this a, an important topic?
1: So here's the thing. Um I love it when we kind of shift gears just a little bit and talk about things that you might not say, okay, well this is an EP. And it's because we can learn so many different things from different sectors. And so when you've got these subject matter experts, when you've got these men and women that are doing it in their respective fields, and then you can kind of mine that data and then you say, well, wow, how can I apply that to what I'm doing? And I think that's when um, us as, as, as protective agents are, are most successful when we're pulling from other areas, whether that's sports or uh, corporations that are doing something or philanthropy, I mean, whatever that is, where well, we can just mine that. And so the health sector has unique challenges, but they also have measurable successes. They can see, oh, this worked or this didn't work. And then we can take those elements Uh, and incorporate those into our own
0: toolbox. Absolutely. And I, you know, I feel that there's basic fundamental things that are comparable. Uh, They protect very vulnerable principles. Sure. They're they're, they're just, they're just at the very vulnerable end of the spectrum. Um, And, and, and of course, you know, protectors that work with children uh, will, will know the absolute uh, importance of getting that right. And especially in the neonatal units in a lot of hospitals, Martin, you know, I think will draw out those comparisons. Um, and, and another thing that I'm keen to look at is how healthcare has linked security and resilience, even before the pandemic. Whereas I often felt that, especially pre-pandemic, the worlds of security and resilience were kind of just separated, almost like right. security was saying I can't admit that resilience will ever be necessary because I'm such a great security professional. Sure, I, sure. I, f- I, f- I feel like there's, there's a mindset shift. What, what do you think?
1: Well, you know, I, I think that's true. And it's because if we have to move to that second stage there, obviously there uh, was something that caused that. And so when you work that backwards uh, and you say, okay, well, you know, where did this opening happen at? Where do we have this exposure at? You could then say, okay, well, let's look at the security department. And so if you can create this kind of synergy or this relationship with this other department here and work together kind of hand in hand, and I think you used the term kind of baton passing there, Mm -hmm. uh, then we're obviously planning for contingencies. And if something goes wrong, there's a plan in place there but it's not so much kind of of cover your ass or shell game. Uh, And I think particularly when you're involved in in any type of corporate structure where you you have your own budgets and you have your own people that you uh, report to, information kind of gets siloed uh, and and you kind of of draw your wagons is an expression. Uh, But there's a benefit to looking at everything holistically uh, and, and sharing those resources.
0: Yeah, exactly. Sharing, sharing, and pooling those resources, I think, is 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 really key because a lot of protectors out there they're solo operators, so they're an army of one. So they're only going to get by if they do pool resources or or at least uh, collaborate.
1: Well, I mean, I think to you, to your point there, you know, the hospital sector has been doing all of these protocols or many of these protocols that we're now, uh, you know, in the last 15 months. Have been introducing again to our principals' home to the workplace that we're going into because of COVID. They've already that's standard operating practices for them, you know. And so, so there are definitely lessons we can pull out of that. You know, I mean, just even you know from PPE, like you know, these are the guys that live in surgical masks. So, so of course we can mine that for jewels. And take that, you know, um, my operations manager, his his wife um, is part of the head nursing staff at, at the hospital that she's at. And we're constantly leaning on her and saying, hey, what's the next thing you guys are doing? What's the, you know, what can you recommend in terms of this type of equipment? And so, yeah, I can definitely see the value of that.
0: And it's not a far cry, is it? Because everyone gets medically trained. Um, some people embed paramedics uh, on, on details. Some people... You know have tactical medics which is well different than a paramedic but it's but it's still the, the person that doesn't put the med kit in the boot and forget about it it's the person <laughs> so, that that, so. that factors in how to treat a principal if you're driving at speed and you cannot flip down the back seats. I mean that, that's a a, a time tested uh, complaint of the medics so absolutely lots lots to draw on well Martin Green, he started his uh, career out in loss prevention and then moved across to healthcare security. And I'm really looking forward to it. He's, he's spoken at a great number of events and uh, you know he's been enormously active during the uh, pandemic. He's not stopped, not been furloughed. So he's got a lot to teach us. And now let's meet one of the contributors to the Circuit Magazine. Welcome. We're here with Martin Green, healthcare security professional at Baycrest Medical, all the way from Canada. It's a pleasure to have you here, Martin. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing very well, thank you, and it's a pleasure to be here,
0: figuratively speaking, of course. Exactly, figuratively speaking. (laughs) On on a podcast such as this, we can can achieve a lot of cross-pollination from different countries. Um, I'm joined by John Moss, and uh, together we're going to be looking at the subject of healthcare, corporate and physical security, and its applicability and lessons learned for the wider physical security and uh, executive security community. Um, Martin, first off, what would you like everybody to know? You know, what, what problem do you think needs to be solved that at the moment may be not being solved?
2: Uh, I'd like somebody to find a cure for COVID and make it go away, but um, the challenges that we have in healthcare security are the, the ever-changing playing field um where where rules are constantly being changed but the biggest i think most important uh, factor that healthcare security is facing now and for the future is training and certification of security professionals um if i can allude back to you, you know you're representing a bodyguard industry association and it, everybody thinks of a bodyguard as being a gorilla knuckle dragger big guy and that they don't, like, that's the image of a bodyguard is a just a brick wall on legs, which isn't true. And security guards have this similar interpretation of we're just a person with a theoretically a brick wall on legs, but there's so much more to this job that require you don't need to be a big guy to be a bodyguard and you don't need to be a big guy to be a security guard. You just need to be a smart person to be a security guard. You need to be trained on how to de-escalate, And I think that is the biggest thing for the future for healthcare security is training our security professionals to be better equipped to deal with what they're faced with because you just you can't train for everything but you can at least provide your security staff with better training so that they're more adaptable and more resilient.
0: I like it. I like it. A uh, lot lots of lots of parallels. So where Martin does your enthusiasm for this particular, you know, subsector of community come from? You know, healthcare security. What's your origin story, I suppose?
2: Well, working in a hospital was the last place that I ever thought that I would work. Uh, I hated hospitals, absolutely despised them. They're, they're full of horrible things and horrible smells and just the whole, the whole image of a hospital scared me and I didn't like hospitals. And then I stumbled into one 35 years ago and, uh, And I just learned to love the environment. And I started my security career catching shoplifters for a retail department store. And I justified my existence by saying, I'm doing this to keep prices low for consumers. No, I was doing that to make more money for the guy that owned the department store so he could buy a bigger island or a bigger plane or a bigger boat. In a hospital setting, when you're working with the community the way that we do, no one's getting rich from what I do. I am providing a safe and secure environment for people to either enter the world in in babies or people to leave the world in palliative care. And for those people that have family members that are in a hospital, they want to sleep better at night knowing that they're in a safe and secure environment. So that's what I provide a safe and secure environment so that people can relax a little bit more about having a loved one in a healthcare facility. And it's also taught me on a most personal level that if the worst thing that I have to put up with during my day is that my boss yelled at me or the person in the cafeteria got my coffee order wrong, then I've got absolutely nothing to worry about because there are people upstairs from me today that are not going to see tomorrow. And... You know, so if the worst that I have to put up with is the wrong coffee order or a flat tire, I have nothing to wor- worry about in this world at all. And it just gives me this sense of accomplishment at the end of the day that I've done something to help people have a better life today.
0: I love it. That's very, that's, uh, very inspiring uh, uh, and, and, and hopefully there will be other sectors of the security community at least maybe not lp uh, but some that can hopefully uh, also feel that um but in, in fact talking about those other sectors our third quick fire question is always what would you like the uninitiated to know and i and i guess there, there are many in maybe even the lp community the executive security community that that don't know what it's like to be in, in healthcare security uh, w- what would you like them to better understand
2: Well, when I started working in healthcare all those years ago, I didn't even know that hospitals had security departments. What do you need a security department in a hospital for? Um, But what I've discovered is that we protect the most vulnerable people in the world. and, And that is people that are not able to protect themselves. People that, um, again, as I said, are entering the world. You have newborn babies and you have people that that are not going to see tomorrow in our environment. So we have such a wide variety of response. When, when I worked in retail loss prevention, all I knew about was catching shoplifters. I didn't know about anything else. My job here at, at Baycrest is Of course, security, physical security, uh, as well as emergency preparedness, and we are the fire department and the police department, and in fact, even the ambulance service for the community that I serve. You know, we have 3,000 people that that are at Baycrest, our employees and our residents. There are a thousand people that call Baycrest their home. I'm the police captain, I am the fire captain, I am the, the medical response team, and everything else all rolled into one. So it is such a wide variety of response that we have in a healthcare setting that you don't see that anywhere else. And the other thing is that we run 24 hours a day. You know, retail loss prevention or commercial security, they're busy at certain parts of the day, but at some point, people go home, they lock the doors, and it's the security guards that monitor the building at nighttime, and maybe a few isolated workers. We're full 24 hours a day. We don't close. We're always open.
3: Hi, Martin. It's great to have you on the podcast and uh, it, it's great to hear the different uh, perspectives that you can bring to this topic. And a lot of our listeners work in protective security. So, what I want to do is try to get an understanding or learn even from your sector. So, what can the physical security community better learn from
2: healthcare? Security. What can we take away? Well, actually, it's kind of the other way around. Um, hospitals are not typically secure environments. Uh, certain areas of them most certainly are. Your mental health departments are. Your your maternity uh, areas are are secure, but hospitals are designed to be open and inviting to the community. We want people to walk into a nice, warm area and feel. Welcome. When the pandemic hit a year and a half ago, we had to lock the place down and hospitals typically don't lock down um, the entire place. So access control, yes, we have them in certain offices and certain areas of the hospital, but we don't have access control at the doors the same way that a commercial environment would have or an airport would have. So we went from being open and inviting and just walk in and come and see mom and dad or, or whatever to an airport who are you? Why are you here? Go through this screening, answer all sorts of questions. And if you pass the questions, we will let you in if you meet all of the criteria. So access control was a a big change for the healthcare community at the door. So I said, you know, we, we do have areas, our IT server room and our finance office where you don't get in unless you have an access card. But now we brought it to the front doors and we reduced the number of entrances. So a lot of people did have some challenges with access control. How do I take my campus, which is over a million square feet, and had seven main entrances and reduce it to only two? And how do we ensure that our access control? So that is sort of the reverse We learned from the physical security elements of other environments to bring it into the healthcare setting so that we could lock down our campuses. Okay, yeah,
3: I get it. So so practically, what did you do? What were the procedures and protocols that you implemented?
2: Well, a a lot of the procedures and protocols were thrown at us by the governments, right? The, The various different health authorities or health agencies, whether it was the Ministry of Health in the province or the the federal government or the municipal government, they're the ones that set the rules on who could come in. And since we didn't have technology to the same level, the response was throw people at it. Yeah and uh, this I need I need more guards. give me more guards and put the guards at the at the gates, sort of until we could find a way to more, Uh, more appropriately secure with less manpower so fortunately my building all of my main entrances did have card access control and at nine o'clock at night we would lock up our building and you needed a card to get in and out but so I had that technology but we still needed the people we needed the people to control the lines we needed the people to ensure that people behave themselves in the line that people didn't jump through the lines. And, and we needed people and we needed lots of people. When something bad happens in an organization, it's usually pretty good for the security department because they throw money at you. So we were able to get more cameras. We were able to get more card readers and more access control to further tighten it down. Um, and, and again, we, we released our reliance on people to do the job and we we let the technology help us a little bit more. I mean, one of the great things about the pandemic, if, if I can call it that, is that for the first time in my career in healthcare, I know every single person is in my building and hospitals have never had that before. They know who the patients are and they know who the staff are, but every single person that enters my facility, we now know who they are. We know when they came in, where they came in and we know when they left and hospitals have never had that before to this level.
0: Well, Martin, you you, you mentioned, you know, potentially going back to, what you, you know perhaps had before. And I, I'm interested to, to ask, a lot of the security sector seems to have felt that it's become a department of everything over COVID. You're now the person that does the temperature screening. You're now the person that um, you know picks up something for the IT technician because there's no one else. Maybe it's not quite comparable in the healthcare sector because of course, everyone was still working. But I am interested in thinking, are, are, are you anticipating going back to being uh, not the department of everything, but the department with strict criteria again? Or maybe I should even rephrase that. Are you looking forward to going back to being the department of specific things rather than absolutely everything?
2: Well, security is always the department of everything. And, and I kind of enjoy that because if people don't know who to call, they call me. Uh, so that's why sometimes I introduce myself as the manager of security and stuff because there are so many things that get thrown at us. It, one of The other night, one of my security staff was chasing a bat down a hallway because no one else knew, they didn't know who else to call. So the Department of Everything is, is actually, I might steal that, we're the Department of Everything. Um, it's okay. And we are going to, COVID is going to you know as we see now is starting to come under control. The province of Ontario is starting to ease its restrictions and we're starting to open up a little bit more and a little bit more and there will be a new normal. Uh, That new normal may mean that there will always be screening at the doors That new normal may mean that I never go back to having my all of my main entrances open. My new normal may mean that I have a security guard at every door. We we don't know yet, but we're not going to go back to what we were before. We're we're going to the same as with 9/11. You know, airline travel has never been the same since 9/11, and it's not going to go back to what it was. Before when you could just walk into the airport, walk up to the gate, and walk on the plane. We're never going back to that. Security and healthcare, I don't think, is going to go back to what it was before COVID hit. I think, certainly, in a lot of cases, you're going to see more visible front door security in the hospital, whether that's a security person or whether that's another person that's providing somewhat of a security service as in the screening or the temperature taking or whatever, because that's my department doesn't do that. My department supports the department that that provides that service. So we may continue to see that as we move forward.
0: And, and And why, Martin, do you think healthcare security is kind of different? Or what creates the sometimes emotive environment that gets people into trouble in hospitals, beyond your usual theft, beyond your usual misdoings? what do you think it is that can make those tempers actually flare?
2: Uh, That's really easy. And and the simple answer is no one is happy that they're going to a hospital. No one likes coming to a hospital except pregnant women and, and their partners and the grandparents of the baby that's imminently going to be born. But nobody is happy. They're coming to say, good luck to somebody before surgery and they're nervous that maybe that surgery doesn't go well. They're coming to say goodbye to people, they're coming to say goodbye to their grandmother or their husband or their wife or their sister or their child. So emotions are very high and tempers flare anxiety is there people are scared people are nervous I mean even myself you know I've worked in hospitals almost my entire life and when I had to bring my kids to the hospital the even the hospital that I worked at you're you're still nervous because your kid is not feeling well or your kid has a boo-boo that needs to be seen by a doctor so all of those tensions and emotions and frustrations and fears that's what play out in, in hospitals. And, and that's what makes healthcare so different. And that's why as a career stepping stone for people that are looking into getting into a law enforcement career with a police agency, that's why a hospital is such a wonderful setting for people that want to advance their security career in another direction, because you do see the entire circle of life as you work in a hospital.
3: One thing you said there, the department of everything, that really resonates. I think there's probably a lot of our listeners who heard that, who were nodding enthusiastically, knowing exactly what you're talking about. And it's certainly the case everywhere I've worked, that if you don't know who to call, you bet we're going to get the phone call, right? No matter what it is, Uh how large or how small. I I like the similarities there. And it makes you realize that that it is a security community. You know, it, it doesn't matter what environment that's in, we're facing the same sort of challenges. And as we are under the umbrella of the COVID pandemic and there's been quite a lot of changes and no matter what happens, things aren't going to go back to the way they were. And, and I'm just wondering, other than the increase in physical security, the personnel side of things that you mentioned. What are the other upgrades that you've seen, particularly as it relates to
2: tech? What's new there? Um, Well, we've, we've been able to add more cameras and more access card readers throughout the facility. We're also not only dealing with pan- with the pandemic, we're also dealing with a hospital that needs infrastructure upgrades. So throughout all of this, we've had renovations and we've had repairs and we've had facility upgrades. So it's, it's been very multifaceted. But I know that my, my industry colleagues, a lot of them have implemented visitor software, visitor control software for management. Uh, again, more cameras. Some of them are looking at thermal cameras or or uh, temperature sensors as people walk in the door. We we haven't uh, done that here at Baycrest, but we we have added more cameras. I've probably in the last year added anyway from thirty to fifty cameras, and probably another dozen card readers that we've added in in a, in uh, aside from our renovations and construction. So that's been the the big benefit is I can now better Um, I I can see my facility better, and and I can see it in real time.
3: What are the challenges of having all of this new tech, all of this extra data for you, uh, other than logistics and installation? Are are there any
2: challenges that come with that? Um, We are in the process of building our very first security operations center. So we've got all this technology, but we haven't been able to properly utilize it. and we won't now for another few months as we begin construction of our of our sock in the next uh, hopefully six to eight weeks. So by the end of the year, I'll have a security operations center where I'll be able to properly utilize all of my video and my access control technology, properly integrate them and and just have a better feel for things. So that's been a challenge. We've coped and, you know, the cameras that we have and the access system that we have and the alarm systems we're still managing, but we'll be able to do so much more by the end of the year.
3: Mm -hmm. I'm getting the sense as well that, Albeit it's being forced upon us and under circumstances we might not wanted to have faced, all of this investment that is coming into security and in particular in your sector, it's not a bad thing, is it? If you're working in this sector, it can only be a good thing.
2: It, it is a great thing, and you know, so much of my career, and and I have to say, Baycrest has been unique in that they've been. The- incredibly supportive of any initiatives that I want to put forward but in other organizations that I've worked at or organizations where some of my colleagues work at the the old line is security doesn't get stuff that they need until after they've needed it so you know locking the barn door after the horse is gone uh, is a reality in the security industry. Uh, you ask for a camera and you don't get the camera. And then the CEO's cars get broken into and suddenly you have a camera. Right. So that is unfortunately the reality in a lot of security environments. And again, I'm blessed that Baycrest is not that. I've been able to, to get almost everything that I've wanted in the time that I've been here, but you know it's it's unfortunate that in a lot of cases security doesn't get the stuff they need until after they've needed it
0: and then does does that actually herald a new era for security not just in healthcare security but across the board in that there was a distinction between security and resilience um and in fact resilience professionals seem to have their own qualifications maybe their own working groups and things like that but now is, is there a sense that that hand off the handing of the baton between failed security and the resilience piece, or, you know, the acceptance that something at one stage will fail, so resilience is necessary, has this whole issue solidified that link between the two professions?
2: Yeah, I, I certainly think that it has. I and mean, one thing that, that helps security departments a lot is the fear of lawsuits and you know i have a couple of friends of mine that are security consultants and they make their living by either defending a security program for, from a lawsuit or um, going against an organization as a security expert so they either work to prove that the security agency had everything in place or they work to prove that they didn't have everything in place. And no one wants to be on the wrong side of that. So people are becoming more aware, especially as the societies become more litigious, that you know, we do have to be aware, we do have to be prepared, and we do have to demonstrate that we have taken reasonable precaution to ensure that we're providing a safe and secure environment.
0: I, I like this, and I, I like cross-pollinating the topic between healthcare security and executive protection and you know the wider physical security community i think it's enormously valuable to do this maybe covid has allowed us to do this maybe we uh, you know in this podcast series we've already sat down with someone that was specifically access control and loss prevention focused and i i i think this is a natural extension of that
2: you know and and security has evolved a lot, but especially in healthcare security. When I started in my first hospital in 1985, what a security guard in a hospital did in 1985 and what they do now in 2021 are so vastly different. You know, my security staff 36 years ago walked around with a set of keys uh, and locked and unlocked doors, and then that was pretty much it. You know, they fetched wheelchairs out of the parking lot and there was no expectation for them to know anything else the technology that that is so commonplace today didn't exist 35 years ago we didn't have computers and we didn't have cell phones and and you know not everybody in the world had a camera that was recording you when you were doing your job so so much has changed in in the way security in general and particularly in healthcare security it is it's vastly different from what it was all those years ago. And
3: a lot of that goes back to the department of everything again, doesn't it? As our capabilities and our capacity grows, so do all the things that fall under us, our responsibilities. It's it's the growing yeah. job. And this this is the life of a modern uh, security professional.
2: It's And it's a career and it's, you know, Again, when I started, security managers were generally the facilities manager, and they, in a lot of cases, know absolutely nothing about security. They knew how air conditioning worked, and they knew how hot water was made in the boilers, and they knew how to generate steam, but that isn't what healthcare security is now. And, and there's so much more, you know, security leaders need to be properly educated. It is not a job for somebody that doesn't have the experience and just walks into it silencing. unseen. So, Morten,
3: that leads on to a good question, actually. You said you didn't set out to go into healthcare security, but you ended up there. And how the landscape has changed in that time? So, to any of our listeners who might have an interest in moving into this field or people who are on the verge of starting their uh, security career, what would be your single best piece of advice to give to anybody who's got an eye on healthcare
2: security? So, the first thing I have to do is I have to put in a plug for the association that I am a member of, and that is the International Association for Healthcare Security and Safety. Uh, It is clearly an international association. It has a a pile of resources on on the website for our members. We have a certification program for frontline officers and a credentialing program for security leaders. It is a tremendous resource. So it's the International Association for Healthcare Security and Safety. I've been a member of the association for many years, and I had the honor and pleasure of being the association's president in 2017. Um, And it is a tremendous wealth of information and resources to anybody. I I highly recommend that somebody that wants to join healthcare security become a member of that association. Second thing is to not live in a bubble. In In this age, You can't live in isolation, in a bubble, in the basement office, and and not reach out to other industries. The, The benefit of reaching out to other colleagues, somebody has already dealt with the problem that you are dealing with now. And rather than trying to invent a new policy or a new procedure or invent a new wheel, It is so beneficial to reach out to other industry colleagues and say, I have a problem with this. Do you have something that can help me? Because we will help you. And, you know, almost every day I get an email or a posting on an Internet uh, website that says, I have a problem. Can you help me? And, and I've done the same thing, even though I've got, you know, a thousand years experience in this industry. I still put questions out to the security colleagues of my associations. I have a new problem that I haven't experienced before. Can you help me solve it? And to be successful, you can't live in isolation. You have to be able to be out there and reach out to people and, and be willing to ask for help. Fantastic answer! I'm
3: so pleased that you said that as well. It's a big message that we're really trying to push home at the moment
0: inside our own community. So yeah, great call on that one. Love it. Well, um, Martin, you know it, it's it's a pleasure having you on. I, I know you've spoken at many events before, and you know healthcare security is the topic. You know, is if if not any other topic, uh, you know, any other year when. Um, I I hope that we can learn a lot from your lessons being enormously active during this uh, time. Obviously, there have been colleagues who have been underemployed, so there is that to consider. And I I really do look forward to to seeing much more and inviting you to many more events as things go on. My pleasure. Well, well, fantastic. So from John and myself, thank you very much, Martin, for being such a great guest at uh, this Circuit Magazine podcast session, a a, a nice bit of cross-pollination. And the importance of healthcare security and the ability to basically learn from each other, I think is really clear and compelling.
2: Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I really uh, really appreciate the opportunity to do this.
0: Martin Green from Baycrest, a great case study, a great cross-pollination between healthcare and EP. And I, and I really feel that that, kind of interview is really where we need to go of course we will have plenty of interviews with EPCP specialists but we need to think outside of the box and draw conclusions um what what did you take away from uh today's session Elijah
1: now you nailed it bro I was just going to say that that thinking outside the box part that's the piece there that I think uh will really benefit our industry I mean when I take a look at uh the podcast that I listen to of course, some of the cool security related ones are, are, are definitely um, I subscribe to. Uh, but I've also got these other topics that interest me or these subjects that interest me, and I'll get something out of those that I apply to my industry. and, I, and, and, and so something like this, uh, which again, on the surface might seem a little bit you know out of left field, but you can get some jewels out of that and then take those things and then say, okay, you know here's a lesson that i learned on this conversation here let me apply that to uh the team that i'm working on or let me apply that to uh uh how i how i interact with my protectee or uh, the the things that i'm going to do around the protectees estate.
0: yeah absolutely and and you know there could be even ep colleagues out there who said you know what i'm at a certain stage in my career i actually like a change i'd like to work in healthcare security oh sure um, absolutely yeah. So 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 there's also that angle but, uh, but yeah, Martin, lovely, lovely friend of the industry. And he's uh, spoken at a number of events, especially um, this this past year. So it's great to have him on. Good stuff. Um, coming up, uh, date for the diary. Uh, next week on the 9th of June, in what would be the UK afternoon, but the PST morning, EST midday, it is our protective mobility forum. Joe Ortera very kindly helping out a lot, but now, We've got a lot of other different case studies. We've got a very interesting run-flat case study. Of course, everyone was very interested in that very brave and uh, on-the-ball South African driver from the video uh, that you know people sure, might have seen. Sure. Um, I believe that might have been helped by run-flat systems, um, at least, so so we're going to have that. We're going to have some uh, career reflections from some of the drivers who have driven their whole lives and, and what have they got to give for you know the, the people coming up in their careers and we've also got things like an operators panel from some of the operators that we know and love i know christian west is on that and that's to say well what do we want out of our armored vehicles, or what do we want out of our uh, training so really really looking forward to that oh and don't forget 23rd 25th of july uh, you have your course w- yeah. w- what's that gonna uh, teach people
1: sure well um uh, I, I try and do it a few times a year and it's the icon ESI uh, celebrity protection course and so that's a sector that I'm, I'm pretty deeply ingrained in and I work with the good folks at executive security international and we put on this class and I've been doing it now for over a decade so uh, but the the great part about it it's an evolving course we try and make sure it's contemporary and be because I, I actively work in the field, I can take the new things that are happening and incorporate that into the class. But it's a pretty intensive class, but people leave uh, with a greater understanding. And so if anybody's interested, uh, they can take a look at us on the website, which is www.industry-icon.com or they can find us on the socials. Uh, or if you are in the Protector app, which is a great segue, if you're in the Protector app, there's uh, additional information on there. And both uh, NABA members and BBA members get a discount if they want to attend.
0: Love it, and uh, and that's uh, that's the app in action. Well, talking about app in action, uh, there's there's a new feature at least in the NABA app, uh, isn't there? Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So we 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 launched Protectorgram, which is uh, uh, our little play on kind of the Instagram thing. So you know, um, when we're on social media you know, everybody likes to look at at, at pretty pictures and, and great images and stuff like that. But we also have to respect operational security. And so a lot of times we try and be kind of selective when we're posting. So in the Protector app itself, we've got many different discussion boards, but that same thing kind of, you know, discussion boards about this topic and you're like, wow, man, I had this great picture when I went to, to Thailand. It's not very appropriate to put here. It's, it's not relevant. So we have this, this section that's just for imagery, whether it's photography or, or video or, you know, or, or, or just a funny meme or something like that. So we introduced it just as a way kind of to, to keep people um, inside the app as opposed to feel like they have to go somewhere else to kind of scratch that itch. It has been super well received. So again, it's, it's, it's a little bit more lighthearted than some of the other fare that we have inside the app. But uh, but, you know, just like you can on so many other socials, you can give it a thumbs up or uh, you can like it, you can share it, you can uh, comment on it. So so people have really been enjoying it.
0: And that will really help because, of course, there is a time and a place for thought through big questions. But then there is that time, as you say, to just say, look, this is cool. My job is cool. I can't show you where I am, but I can show you this picture.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. And so, you know, so, uh, so inside the NABA Protector, we've got all of this great content, same thing with BBA Connect. And so it's just a way that we can kind of give value, much like what we're doing with this podcast.
0: Love it. And, and, and yeah, please keep uh, commenting, keep posting. Uh, obviously, you know, we notice that you are doing it because of course, we're then re it or or, 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 or so on. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's a great way. And and I think I think the other week we even had a question. Someone said, uh, "Does anyone know someone in this place? A bit of an obscure place, but mm-hmm. within 24 hours, we could actually find an answer for them."
1: That happens all the time, though. Like you know, uh, you know when I when I watch and I monitor the the, the boards and both of the apps here, someone will have a question and someone has an answer. Uh, you know, I know a couple of guys that are on assignments right now, ongoing assignments, because someone said, hey, I'm looking for someone in this particular region. And from there, through the relationship they have inside the app, they can vet the other person. Oh, you know this person? What's he like? And employment has come out of it. So I think that's a testament to uh, the value of something like this.
0: Absolutely. I love it. Um, Yeah. So we'll have more of that coming up. Um, We've, of course, got the next edition of the circuit magazine that's that's coming live so yeah please do subscribe to the circuit magazine as well um but yeah this is this is great I, i'm looking forward to more uh, circuit magazine podcasts i think we can achieve a lot of cross-pollination martin green of course he has his specialization and you know healthcare security is something that we will all touch whether or not we want to, and I think even he mentions it, we're not happy when we go there, unless maybe there's a baby involved. Um, so so we're not we're not generally happy. Um, but what great parallels um with the EP industry. Uh, which of course I, I don't nice. mean to say the EP industry is not happy. Um EP, EP must be rather happy. <laughs> but you know, when when a serious situation calls for a serious response, you know, you know yeah. where we're going there. Um well from elijah and myself it's been great uh, reviewing this great interview with martin uh, green which uh, i did with uh, john moss let's keep it positive we look forward to seeing you at the protective mobility event next week and we look forward to welcoming you to another circuit magazine podcast nice You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.